Family is important to me. That is something my sister said on the phone yesterday. Most of my family lives in the Central Valley in Visalia, and she had been cooking up a storm and having family over and providing that space that we're so grateful for, those good cooks in our midst who around food and good soup and things like that, that's what she was doing. And I said, you are so great. You provide a space for family to gather. And she said, family's important to me. Do you think it was important to Jesus? I have a little quiz for you, and that is for you to name who Jesus' family was. And this is an open book test. So you can pull out your Bibles and turn to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 54 and 55. And in there, you will see a description of Jesus' family of origin. So, Matthew 13, verses 54 to 55. Who was in Jesus' family? You can go ahead and name them out loud. Some you probably don't even need to look up because you know already. Can you name just one person that was in Jesus' family? Mary. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time um, journeying with Mary through Advent to Christmas this particular year. Joseph, who's not named by name in this particular passage, he's called the carpenter. Somebody want to read who has, um, somebody who has that passage, why don't you read it out loud? Who has it? And I'll bring the microphone to you, Dante. He came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue so that they were astounded and said, where did this man get his wisdom and these deeds of power? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And keep going. Okay. And are not all his sisters with us? There you go. There you go. So Jesus' family of origin was Joseph, not even named here, called the carpenter, Mary, the brothers, four brothers are named here, and sisters. They're not named, which is not too surprising in that culture, but they're not named. So that's Jesus' family. Interesting. And Mary is the one we know the best, obviously, and uh, is the one that is revered and remembered the most in church history. But I want to tell you a story, a little story, and that is that one day Jesus was teaching, and he was um, blessing the people so much. And as you can imagine, sitting at his feet, they were just blown away by the authority and the power of his words. And one woman who was listening to him was just so moved that she cried out and she said, Blessed is the womb that conceived you. Blessed is the woman who nursed you from childhood. And that's exactly what Mary said that people would say about her down through the generations. Blessed. All generations will call me blessed. And that's exactly what this woman was doing. Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you, who nursed you, raised you. And you know what Jesus said, though? Interesting. Jesus said, no. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Hmm. Hmm. All right, then let's do that. Let's go to scripture. Mark, we're in the gospel of Mark this morning. There are four gospels. Mark is the one that was written first. And we are going to be spending much of the first quarter of the year in the gospel of Mark. We are very fortunate that our director of music, Bill O'Neill, had a brother 
who has since passed away, two brothers actually, one who wrote a musical drama about the Gospel of Mark. And so our choirs and our youth are going to be spending time putting that um, drama, musical drama together. You are going to hear much of that music throughout our, our Lent, leading us to Holy Week. And then after Holy Week in April, you will see a performance of that later in April. Pretty cool, huh? So we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark uh, this next year, 2013. Have you gotten used to hearing that yet? No, you don't have to. You've got a few more days. All right. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. Let's pray and ask God's Spirit to make this word come alive for us. Let's pray. How can we truly hear, O God, apart from your quickening spirit at work in us and among us? So that is our prayer, that we will hear you, that we will not only hear, but that we will obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark 3, verses 31 through 35. Let me tell you one more thing before you hear this. The opening, the preceding section, Jesus is teaching, and the people think he's crazy. They think he's out of his mind, literally. That's what they're saying. He's out of his mind. And guess who comes to restrain him? Verse 21. His family heard it. They went out to restrain him. For people were saying, he's gone out of his mind. Interesting. His family thought he'd gone out of his mind too. So they show up to restrain him. So now we're ready for verses 31 through 35. Then the mother, his mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to Jesus, called him, And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister. And mother. Wow, the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. While we're in this discussion on family today and Jesus' words about family, I think it's helpful for us to know just how important family is in the Jewish faith and throughout the Old Testament. And you can see that in a variety of ways. Any of you who have tried to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you don't get very far before you get into the begats. You know, and Adam, it's like Adam to Noah, begat, begat, begat. And it's like, oh, please don't make me have to read that out loud. Or even in silence. And, you know, you don't have to get very far after that chapter until you get to another genealogy. And then there's another genealogy. And then another genealogy. And guess how the New Testament starts? Matthew chapter 1. Oh my gosh, it's another genealogy. And this is the genealogy of Jesus from David all the way to Jesus. So family's really important. Ancestry's really important. And the way they live out their covenant faith, their religious instruction takes place primarily in the home, which is one of the things we're trying to recapture. And even in the home, there is this whole economic way of being and identity and covenant reality, it's all lived out primarily around the home. So there was this 
loyalty and respect and obedience in particular to the male head of the household that was just a very central part of their life together. So you can imagine how jarring it was when Jesus said what he said. He said, no, my family, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, you, you who do the will of God, you are my family. You're my mother, my sisters, my brothers. And notice that he doesn't mention father here. Did you notice that? Because father, that word is reserved only for God. So what Jesus is saying, new definition of family. Yes, loyalty. Yes, respect. Yes, obedience to God. To God the Father. Who's Jesus' family? You who obey the will of my father. You are my mother, my sisters, my brothers. You're my family. One of my Christmas presents from my cousin who loves books. Praise God for my cousin. She's always sending me books. This book is called The Red Letter Revolution. And it refers to those old Bibles where all the words that Jesus spoke were in red. Do any of you have those Bibles? <laughs> yeah, it used to be that way, that every, every word that Jesus spoke was particularly in red. And so there's two people, very well-known Christian leaders in our country today who came together. One, a young adult named Shane Claiborne, who actually is a part of a 15-year intentional Christian community in the poorer part of Philadelphia called The Simple Way. New monasticism, it's called. And then there's Tony Campolo. I bet many of you have heard of Tony Campolo, sociologist, very, very powerful, passionate speaker, taught at Eastern University, and he's probably close to 70. Well, the two of them came together really trying to recapture what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a culture where fundamentalism and evangelicalism really has taken a very negative turn and has had a negative impact on how people think about Jesus. And the church. So what they're calling the way of Jesus is the red letter revolution. And the subtitle is, what if Jesus really meant what he said? Interesting. So just kind of a few things. It's a dialogue, actually. There's 26 chapters in here, and Shane and Tony go back and forth talking about hot topics and talking about how we live out our faith. And in the beginning of this, he's saying how a lot of times you will hear people say, ask the question in terms of Christian faith, are you a believer? In fact, I heard this recently. Um, people, some of the people that I got, I'm getting to know that work with Street Church, one of the leaders talked about people being a believer. He's a believer. And Shane Claiborne said, you know what? Jesus didn't call us to make believers. Jesus called us to make disciples. Interesting. He said... You can worship Jesus without doing the things he says. We can believe in him and still not follow him. Think that's true? Yeah. So let me, let me show this quote that he has at the end of that opening introduction. This is Shane Claiborne once again. He's saying the litmus test, find my place here. So the litmus test of whether or not something is Christian is the question, does it look more and more like Jesus? There are some folks who would say they are Christian, but they are looking less and less like Jesus. And there are some folks who would never claim to be Christian, 
Yet their hearts and their passions are slowly moving closer and closer to Jesus' heart. Interesting, huh? He goes on, he says, it's up to God to sort all that out. But being more like Jesus is what we are trying to do as red-letter Christians. It's interesting. I'm only about halfway through this book. But I'm wondering, you know, that it could be, probably could be a guide for us. You'll probably hear us talk about it a little bit more. But one of the things, you know, as far as chapter headings that they have in here that I was very interested in reading, particularly for today, is that they have a chapter called Dialogue on Family. And it turns out that as we are trying to live into being not just believers, but people who are becoming more and more like Jesus, sometimes our families become a barrier in that process. Sometimes we need to move beyond the constrictions and the boundaries of our family of origin in order to grow up in Christ, in order to become more and more those who are living out the will of God for us. True, isn't it? You know, there is a really, really difficult verse of Scripture. This is out of Jesus' mouth, and it's found in Luke chapter 14. We're going to put this up there, verse 26 where Jesus says this, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself cannot be my disciple. Really? Hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even life itself to be his disciple? Everything in us wants to say, he didn't really mean that. <laughs> We're back to, this, back to this book. What if Jesus really meant what he said? Yow! Did he really mean that? And that actually goes against the fourth commandment out of the Ten Commandments, doesn't it? You shall honor your father and your mother, and it will go well with you in the land. So what's going on here in this commandment? Well, another book that I love... This is, my little, this is Mary's library morning. So, Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, he actually talks about that passage. And he talks about the importance of what Jesus was saying there. That truly, in order for us to grow up spiritually, to grow into spiritual maturity, a lot of us find that we have to move beyond the bounds and the binding of our family of origin. True? Even Jesus... They came to restrain him. They thought he was crazy. Jesus was not doing the right script. He was not doing the script of family. He was not doing the script of his religion. He had to move beyond his family. And that's not an easy thing to do in a positive way. It's a hard thing to do. And Richard Rohr, in his book, commenting on that particular passage of scripture about hating family, mother, father, brothers, sisters, he says, you know, Jesus is really trying to help us move out of what he calls the crab bucket syndrome. Where here you are trying to move into what you're trying to grow into and be the person God's calling you to be. And when you're in your family of origin, they're about safety, nest, (laughs) You need to be okay, which is fine for a season when you're growing up. But when you grow into an adulthood, and especially when you're growing to follow Jesus Christ, who asks you to to lay down your life to follow him, to give yourself away, safety isn't what that's about anymore. And so here you are trying to crawl out of that bucket, and you've got all these crabs that keep pulling you back in. 
And he said, it's very hard to move out of that. I want to just read part of what Richard Rohr writes here. As Jesus is trying with these very harsh words to push us out of the nest. He says, it takes a huge push and much self-doubt and some degree of separation for people to find their own soul and their own destiny apart from what mom and dad always wanted them to be and do. To move beyond family of origin stuff and local church stuff and cultural stuff and flag and country stuff is a path that few of us follow positively and with integrity. The pool is just too great. So family can be a barrier to growing up, to following and doing, obeying, being loyal to, respectful, obedient to the will of God in our lives. I had somebody say to me recently how much she was struggling because her son announced that he wants to become a monk. And the hardest thing for her son is that his mother is not excited about this. She turns to me and she goes, what mother wants her son to be celibate and live in poverty? None. But God may want this son to follow the way of this monastic life and devotion. I want us to um, hear from Tony Campolo as we're just uh, wrestling with family and what Jesus says about family and how Jesus struggles with his own family in terms of growing into his own calling and being faithful to the will of God in his life and the costly way that that is. Tony Campolo, I don't know how many of you have heard him. Have any of you heard him speak or seen him on a video or something? He really is pretty amazing. So he had asked to be on this panel, or he was invited, rather, to be on a panel. And the focus of that panel was family life. And on the panel, there was a Catholic priest, there was a Protestant minister, there was a rabbi, and then there was Tony Campolo as this sociologist. And he said that the rabbi, he tells this story about the rabbi, and how the rabbi basically looked at the Catholic priest, pointed to the Catholic priest, pointed to the the Protestant minister, and he said, um, he goes, I don't know why you are here. (laughs) Because, you know, if you take the New Testament seriously, you won't have much to say that would promote traditional family values. Now, he's making a really important point, so listen carefully. You are the followers of a Messiah who asked, who's my mother and my father, my sister and my brother, thus disparaging what we Jews respect as a family. And what's even worse is that Jesus never even got married. And also the Apostle Paul, one of your founding theologians, said that it's better to remain single and to marry only if you're burning with lust. The more I think about it, the more I realize that your religion just might be anti-family. And then he goes on and says this. For instance, if a Jewish person walked into your office and he points to the Protestant minister and says, I want to become a Christian... You would lay out a way of salvation and make sure that he said yes to an invitation to accept Jesus as Savior. On the other hand, if a Christian came into my office, said the rabbi, and said to me, I want to become a Jew, I would be obligated to discourage him. Because Jews know that if he converted, it could alienate him from his Christian family and destroy the oneness that to me is more important than winning another convert to our faith. Isn't that interesting? 
Tony Campolo writes right after he tells that story, he goes, that rabbi was right. That rabbi was right. As Christians, we have a fellowship that transcends biological and cultural ties. And there are times when living with the demands of that fellowship just might set us at odds with the obligations of our families. Like Jesus. Like Jesus. Transcending biological ties. It's not that he didn't care for his family. He didn't hate his family. But you have to let that go and be pushed out of that family nest in order to rise above the script of being a Jew. The script that the dominant culture around you in which you grew up is saying, hey, you're not acting like us anymore. No, I'm not called to act like you. I'm called to follow God and to obey the will of God. And it's going to take you to a higher place of definition of family that is the global village that's a big umbrella. Shane Claiborne said he has a lot of friends that are married, a lot of friends that have kids. And he said, of all my friends living, I'm assuming, there in the Simple Way community, he goes, I can think of hardly any that are living only with their biological family. They have foster children living with them, or they have people that are being rescued from domestic violence, or they have people that are coming out of jail and they're trying to re-enter society. The people that he knows that are red-letter Christians, that are trying to take what Jesus said seriously, are opening up. They see not only a call to love their own children, but to love other children as much as they love their own. And not just children. He tells the story about a, a couple he knew And they were living uh, on on their own, and she's a social worker, and she actually was helping a particular senior adult uh, to move into a senior facility because she had memory issues. And as she went into the home, and I'm not sure if her husband was with her or not, but went into the home, and they were packing up all this woman's stuff, they came across a note, and the note said, please, God, don't let me ever live in a senior old folks home. So this social worker takes that note home to her husband they talk about it they pray about it and they decide to adopt her into their family and she becomes their resident grandma and they didn't know how long she would live but wherever they went they took her with them for eight years till she died so Jesus is lifting us up to a higher way and modeling that family for him here, whoever does the will of God, whoever hears the word of God does it. That's my brother, my sister, my mother. So I invite you to think as we're moving into 2013, how to live like that, how to live as red letter Christians people who take the words of Jesus seriously, people who not only hear them and are believers and come into a worship space and sing and walk out and say, that was a great message, Mary, but you move into the world living a life of faithfulness that more and more looks like Jesus. That's where we're going. That's where God is taking us. So who's Jesus' family? Three things come to mind. Jesus' family. They hear God's word. 
And that may be the first challenge for many of us because I think life is so crazed that what, one of the phrases I've heard us say around here a lot at the church is that we barely have people's attention. We barely have people's attention. And I think God barely has our attention. And how can we be family to Jesus when we don't even hear Jesus? We can talk about red letters in the Bible as much as we want, but if we don't hear what Jesus is saying, and many of us don't have that built into our lives, where we are hearing, we are schooling ourselves, part of our, our purpose, schooling ourselves in the words and ways of Jesus. Friends, that is the most important beginning place. We have to constantly be formed, shaped, schooled in the words and ways of Jesus. So family to Jesus, we hear God's word. Secondly, we're not just hearing it, we're doers not just people who look in the mirror of God's word and walk away and do nothing about it. But we're actually acting on that word that God is speaking to us most clearly, most fully in Jesus Christ. So we have an opportunity to do that as we move into 2013, as we are in the Gospel of Mark. You may want to get this book, Red Letter Christian, read it with another person, talk about it. It's a dialogue. Be a part of the dialogue. On all the hot topics, all the hot topics are in there. There's a chapter on each one. You know, find a way to be looking at the red letters, what Jesus is saying, and how to live it out so that we look more and more like Jesus. So where is it you need to grow when you look at that list of what it means to be Jesus' family? Maybe it's the hearing being with other Christians and being able to hear God's word and understand it. Maybe it's the following up. You realize you're hearing it, you're really not doing anything. Living more simply. Building relationships to love our neighbor the way God loves us. Looking more and more like Jesus. Maybe you're realizing you look more and more like the culture around us and not so much like Jesus. So let's pray. Let's stop and open ourselves up to God as we move into 2013 and pray that we will be the family that Jesus restored us to. Jesus has come to heal us and our calling in the world. Let's pray. Jesus, here we are at the end of 2012 and close to the beginning of 2013. We don't want to just move from month to month and day to day and week to week and year to year without being reflective, without being prayerful, without being faithful to you. We pray this day as we hear you speak to us that you will move us, move us into a rhythm where we hear your word regularly built into our homes, built into our day-to-day life. Show us how you want that to be built in for us in a way that works. Lord, we pray that we will be people who are not just hearers of your word, but doers who act, who love, who move out, letting you quicken your life in us, being your light, your salt in this world. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to 
look more and more like you, that you will be the measure of what freedom and love and fulfillment actually looks like. Gracious God, deliver us from all the things that bind us, that shrink us. Help us to know how to love our families and to move beyond our families, to love the larger family of your people in this world and to give you glory. Thank you that you are in us, that you are among us, that you go before us, that you are Lord, you are Savior, you are Liberator. We give ourselves to you and look forward with great expectancy for all that you will do in us individually and all that you will do in us as your church. And all of God's people said,